I think uh, as we discussed last night, so we'll uh, keep the topic a little simpler to aim of life uh, and proceed from there as question answers because then you can cover a wide range of things. So, uh, Shurabindu has given, I'll just set the ball rolling, then maybe, you know, we can have the interaction. So, I think um, Shurabindu has given us certain keys and uh, these keys open doors to literally infinite understanding. Because there are so many ways we can look at them and uh, understand and, uh, you know, they, they open doors of possibilities. And one of the keys which I find very interesting and engaging is the idea of these keys are like ideas, the idea of evolutionary transformation. Many keys, several keys. One of them is the idea of evolutionary transformation. Now, of course, the idea of evolution is there. It's there in the West as evolution of forms. It's there in, you know, Indian culture. The whole Tantra, the Chaurasilak Jonis are basically the story of evolution. Or we take the Puranas where Dashavtar. But he brings it very forcefully and he... He just, just doesn't talk about evolution of soul, but the evolution of the entire being. He also speaks about evolution of the society, the collectivity, which is something very beautiful. The Gita speaks about it as Lok Sangraharth, but he brings them to their ultimate fullness. So this is um, one of the keys which we shall pick up and then navigate on to the aim of life. Because uh, one thing is very clear that um, if the general direction of the impetus, the evolutionary urge is flowing in a certain direction and we try to swim at cross currents. So we don't need to discuss what is going to happen to us. So there are periods of time when the evolutionary current stabilizes and the whole urge is to preserve what has been achieved or gained. So we, we see that, uh, you know, in the not the immediate couple of centuries, but earlier prior to that when we see within India a great um, uh, activity to preserve what was gained. Say during the time of the Vedas, the Upanishads, new things were added, but there was a lot of stress on preserving those truths because they were profound truths. They still are. Then we see last few hundred years that that is being broken and a new evolutionary impetus is stirring which is pushing people here, there, everywhere and uh, many people find it a very confusing period because they don't know what to do. Uh, often people ask this question, Ki, Bacche mandir nahi jate, hum kya kare? You know, they, they don't know, they don't learn this, they don't read this, so what are you? They don't know what to do. So it's because we must understand that the whole evolutionary energy is now flowing in a certain way. Now if we don't understand which way it is flowing and we keep turning to the past, then it may, that which is very useful and helpful at one point of time may become counterproductive. Shubhinda gives this very beautifully as, um, you know, when he speaks about the Gita. I think it's in notes, Bengali uh, notes on the Gita. He says that uh, in the Gita, in, during that time, Sri Krishna wanted to establish a nation unit. Unit, and that's why you know he brought the kings together, and eventually, because you can't have too many kings around, so you know, kings were brought together this side and that side in a final decision as to who really occupies the land of Arivarta at that point of time. And it was a wonderful work. He saved, he established the nation and saved 
this whole mighty culture through that great war. I mean, it was inevitable. But Shubhendu says very interestingly, but you know, maybe in future, uh, if he comes, he may want to establish something which is, uh, you know, on one side there may be a nation unit or units, on the other side there may be a world culture. And we may well find that Sri Krishna is seated on that side if we try to, you know, um, still hold on to a past form. Now, nation unit is important, this not to say that. But at the same time, something new is developing in the world and we need to understand it, we need to respect it. And more importantly, we need to align with it. Having said that, another very interesting thing that Shurabindu and the mother speak of, which is often forgotten because, you know, we pick up words here and there and, you know, like for example, there is a bit that famous one when mother was asked, uh, what is the aim of life? She said, one of the places, she said the aim is to find the divine. Now, it's true, but, you know, <laughs> tell it to a, you know, boy in 10th standard and he will either be confused or he will revolt and turn away. So they respected the principle of graduality. In other words, there are steps and stages in the evolution. So whether we like it or not, in real life, goalposts do shift. You know, we don't like goalpost shifting. You know, in 90 minutes game, it's okay. The goalpost is fixed. But in real life, the goalposts do shift. Or if we put it another way, as we grow, the same goalpost begins to appear to us in different ways, in a different light. And if you turn to the Indian culture, how practical it was, and Shubhendu speaks about it, that while they uh, spoke of these four goals or aims, for anyone yet they respected that you can't even the ultimate aim you can't reach it in one leap so the ultimate aim if you ask Jeevan Kalaksh Moksha of course Shubhindu speaks of something greater than Moksha but even if we take that Moksha and you see the paradox that everybody goes and Swamiji speak about Moksha and Swamiji's are also interested in their bank balance and so are the people who are going to them they hear about Moksha they hear about Maya and they come back and lead a life of hypocrisy and duplicity. Now, that is worse than accepting and acknowledging that, yes, there are different aims and there are different stages and we must respect that phase. So, the four goals that in Indian thought, which were placed before us, where we all know it, Artha, you can put it Kama, Kama comes first, Artha, Dharma and Moksha. And they all are valid. To start with, it's not invalid. Only, let's say, when we turn toward the divine, we seek it in another way. They are all valid. So there is the first impulse, say an adolescent, he is driven by desire. And he wants, if he doesn't go through that phase, if he doesn't grapple, when people used to come to ashram, especially at young age and want to join the ashram, Oh, life is very difficult, life is very tiring. So, mother would say, if you can't face life, how will you face the more rigorous battles of inner life? That is a big challenge and you need to go through it. Even a simple thing like pursuit of desire. You want to fulfill a desire. Look at the countless obstacles that you are going to meet. There are countless desires of countless people acting at any given point of time where your desire is just one of them. You appear for a competition. There are Lacks of people appearing for a competition. Now, what's happening? Outwardly, it's like, oh, this is ambition. But inwardly, 
there is a strain there is a stretching out of your capacities you are trying to really be the top the best the first and in the process you are pushing yourself beyond the limits so ultimately what is happening there is a pushing beyond the limits that's precisely what nature wants push yourself beyond some limit and mother gave a very interesting thing about the superman that whoever is trying to master his nature in whatever way is an apprentice superman so when you push yourself beyond limits ultimately evolutionary transformation if you put it in psychological terms it's progress or rather a change towards a towards progress and it has a certain direction it has a certain intention behind it so progress she has made it very simple it doesn't matter if somebody at 16 wants to you know do very well in life earn a lot of money so you know we may discourage him saying nahi nahi pata hai ultimate aim hai bhagwan ki aur mudna to kya hoga you know people will become sanyasis we don't want another bunch of sanyasis so you see we'll create confusion in the minds of people this is particularly relevant because you know we are um, you are from a school context and to give to children an aim which is not appropriate for their stage can become counterproductive teach them equip them that well you want to fulfill desire fine but what it means and there you have to learn that well if you go all out fulfilling only your desire and not considering any other desire or anybody else then it will bounce back there is a recoil and there are ways of explaining it because it you are not just alone so while you pursue the path of desire bring in that element of moderation that's that much dharma bring in the idea of ethical ways of fulfilling your desire because that's the stage of evolution so he will bring in the principle of moderation you put in all your effort by all means uh, be on the top but not by stepping on people's uh, shoulders by putting them down so first thing is this you know karma valid goal but you have to bring in that element in its own way then the next stage there is artha you pursue your interests desire is not enough it's not just you know satisfying your uh, just certain lower vital needs but there are uh, interests which engage you and you want to pursue them you want to pursue let's say a profession uh, in teaching now you must learn equip yourself well because that's something which deeply engages you and you must pursue that interest you are married in relationship fulfill how what really it means very often when we try to skip stages it doesn't help you know you end up in the context of relationship at one place somebody asked because ye bhi a question you know <laughs> you're mentioning now you see how interestingly everything is a preparation so the mother was asked what should we do when you know love comes in a life because we are supposed to love only the divine now you see it's a clash so she very beautifully like uh, judoka turns the energy of the opponent to his own use so she says learn to love truly yes learn to love truly and then she qualifies it she says learn to love without expectations <laughs> big yeah yeah big calling yeah no no you are loving apparently going through that but eventually yes so aap kisi murti ya andar mein usko pyar nahi kar rahe pyar ek object hai but object ko kar rahe ek vyakti ko kar rahe ho ek subject ko but you know you are it's your practice game like you know before you play the real game you need to go through the practice game and if you don't do it well you can't go on to the real game 
you can't love the divine truly if you can't even love you know a human being with whom you are because he's uh, you know that more uh, ethereal more impersonal so you start with that and then she says if you proceed then a time will come when you will touch the principle of divine love which is inside creation and then you will experience a widening and universalization of your consciousness and that's a very good preparation for yoga she gives the other aspect also what if i don't i say ki no human love is all nonsense and i love only the divine she says if you try it it's well possible that this current of love this energy of love may get completely stifled inside and it may take lives for it to emerge again centuries for it to emerge again because you have not allowed so there is a process we can't skip the process so while it's true that there is an ultimate aim we all are aware of it you know the whole thing can be summarized in one sentence the aim is to find the divine but what does the divine mean to us even there we see that there are steps and stages to some divine is the giver of boons and he'll say yes yes i know sir aim of life is the divine but how am i relating with the divine as a giver of boons the day he doesn't give anything तो अपने रास्ते चल मैं अपने रास्ते चल लेट मी सर्च फॉर अनदर डिवाइन हु कैन यू नो गिव मी व्हाट आई वांट डिवाइन एज द गिवर मनोकामना पूरी तो ही विल आल्सो से यस यस सर आम तो रोज सुबह शाम मॉर्निंग टू इवनिंग आई डू दिस चालीसा दैट चालीसा आई गो रेगुलरली टू दिस टेंपल ऑब्जर्व ऑल द फास्ट एंड रिचुअल्स बट द रिलेशन विद द डिवाइन बिकॉज यू कांट स्किप द स्टेज इज स्टिल वन ऑफ समबडी हु इज वांटिंग टू गेन profit and it can take but in vedas they tell you they tell you that there certain kamna purti mantra exactly that's what i'm saying so should you completely overlook no we'll idea? we'll come to that it depends on our stage which if if our stage is where we want from the divine fair enough relate with him like that but we must know this is not the ultimate possible relation a time will come everywhere like the gita speaks of four stages or four great gradations of bhaktas first gradation is arth when you are in distress you send a distress call and the divine protects you for many of us divine is like a hotline connection to security you know instead of calling 911 in india we call one outside we call 911 so in india one so ek onkar and you know he comes and protects the second step is artharthi he fulfills our needs desire nothing wrong in doing that but then we must know there are other two gradations waiting for us imagine a child who is coming first in fifth standard but he must know look here 5 years down the line you have a competition ahead this is only a preparation so as long as we know it it's perfectly fine then comes the next stage after we have gone through this the stage of dharma dharma various ways we can understand is one of them is ethical which is deeper than moral moral is something external moral is um, you know moral and legal are more of an externally imposed thing it's immoral to do this but ethical is springing from the sense of beauty is whatever i am doing whatever i am speaking is it something beautiful somebody abuses me should i hit him back and abuse him now something within us will tell us that look here you know it's it's not the right thing to do uh, recently there was this whole debate going on you know when you are married so now it's very good that we are moving from moral and legal to an ethical phase so if your wife does not want to have a physical relation adultery also comes but physical relation with you uh, 
now morally you still can go ahead and justify that well that's a contract marriage is about that legally you are perfectly right but ethically something within you will tell you that you are doing something wrong because it's not beautiful to force yourself on someone you're forcing yourself on someone now this sense of ethics which springs from within is a shadow of dharma dharma is much deeper but you know so lead your life third stage you try to because you have initially there is the on rush of desires and all these thoughts don't come you know adolescent <laughs> it's very difficult at that stage they have to go through the rush of all kinds of things but slowly as you go through life we begin to seek in standard of conduct with which we should live that's why now you know we have these questions ki relationship mein kaise hona chahiye ek ideal wife kaisi honi chahiye ek ek you know right husband kaisa hona chahiye these questions come up at a certain stage and they are important questions they are you know valid and relevant they can't be cut up by saying no no it seems unimportant just uh, separate and go to the divine they come they are they are going to the divine these are steps of the ascension so when we go through an ethical life where we try to uh, do things which are beautiful which are noble and shobindo brings it very beautifully in the uh, idea of arya this is another very interesting thing <coughs> so in every civilization you had the idea of shreshtha noble the samurai the knight men who lived by certain high standards so they set those standards for themselves i'll never tell a lie now you see what extremes the arya could go that harish chandra promises to give away his kingdom in a dream so when the man appears vishwamitra he says i have given you you please come and sit he doesn't say ki show me the legal document and show me the patta and oh, who am i no no i gave it under a dream is a dream he doesn't say that that's how he prepares or rather if you see the lineage very often people say ramchandra ji ki lineage you know ikshvaku vansh now you see what does the lineage mean there were several attempts to bring out of oneself that deeper element which is hidden inside so you see in all these lineage of great avatars whether it be krishna or rama especially in these two it's very interesting why the lineage is important you will see that some of them were great kings mighty kings and then you will see down the line extremely ethical kings in rama's lineage you have a king who you know says that if i promise i promise that the end of the story now of course spiritual consciousness goes beyond it but you cannot avoid this stage of evolution so there is a time when your only goal is to be a noble human being shreshtha you know that's how shri krishna tells arjuna that be a shreshtha don't run away from this battle if you run away from this battle you won't be an adhikari for the greater truth go through this battle because this will prepare you for the greater truth and shobindo brings it very beautifully in essays on the gita he says that you know he starts with that that well the gita is given to arjuna a kinetic dynamic man which most of the human beings are so therefore it has a universal appeal but at the same time if shri ramakrishna or buddha said i want to go in search of the ultimate the gita will not say no 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 you come back and be the king of the shakya kingdom no he will it will not tell shri ramakrishna to be a pandit in vernacular because he has gone past that stage of evolution look at like shri ramakrishna gets married and what what is his response he just asks his wife you want to be a mother of one child few children or mother of the world and she says mother of the world and he bows at her feet and says ma now that is one 
wonderful thing and much below like you know we often talk about love loving the mother often i feel this is my feeling it's not that it is written somewhere but it's there in the tantras that before we can reach that can we just love the forms that mother has taken upon herself and respect it and bow down to it as a form of the mighty goddess swami vivekananda puts it like that what is tantra he says to love women as goddess it's there even shobindo has translated from tantra sare whole passage where he says to love women to respect them as goddesses is the ultimate tantra which means regardless if a woman is angry she is kali and durga <laughs> if she gives you food to eat she is annapurna if she creates beauty in your environment she is mahalakshmi if he equips you with many kinds of things which will make your life so much more comfortable if she becomes a counselor a mentor to you if her smile chases away from you the gloom which you are carrying from the office then she is maha saraswati if she tells you what is the right way to lead life the dharma then she is maheshwari start from there so you said to love and respect yes they हाँ देवी देवी के रूप में हाँ जहाँ स्त्रियों की तो यू नो वी हैव टू स्टार्ट फ्रॉम देयर बिफोर वी कैन स्ट्रेट अवे यू नो कम टू द अल्टीमेट व्हाट आई एम ट्राइंग टू यू नो द ड्रिफ्ट इज दैट देयर इज ए प्रिंसिपल ऑफ इवोल्यूशन सो फ्रॉम डिजायर सीकिंग वी हैव गॉन टू अ पॉइंट वेयर यू आर लीडिंग लाइफ ऑफ धर्मा दिस ए वेरी इंटरेस्टिंग थिंग बिकॉज धर्मा ऑन वन साइड इज समथिंग फिक्सड ऑन अदर साइड इट इज इवॉल्विंग so it evolves as we grow it can go to any extent and it's everywhere you see the samurais what a code of conduct and you know it thrills me to read in the mahabharata that if you are on the ground if you have astra nahi hai shastra nahi hai to main aapke sath yuddh nahi ladunga imagine this happening today well indian soldiers do it even today you'll be you know happily surprised yeah, yeah we don't do this you know like just brutal and merciless killing indian soldiers don't do it because we are basically a dharma driven society there in our bones whether we like it or not and when we have thus gone then comes the ultimate goal which is uh, unfortunately like every term has been distorted one of the term which is distorted is moksha so moksha is about you know vridhashram where you know we go to <laughs> near the ganges to leave our bodies but moksha is not that shobindo there is a whole passage on what is moksha it's a state of inner freedom ultimately it's a state of inner freedom where you deal with this world manifold world without shrinking from it in fact one of the signs of a liberated person is he shrinks from nothing tato na vijugupsate whether it be an inner battle or an outer battle he takes it he doesn't shrink what he shrinks from if at all is adharma because he has gone through that stage so he'll not do something which is adharma because you know it contradicts his inner truth and then the meaning of dharma itself changes because for the spiritual man what is utmost is to follow the divine will the truth we may call it the divine will all else becomes you know there were steps and stages so at one stage it is dharma to regard all in your life in your family as yagnbalk puts it as aspects of the one self and to be a trustee 
and love the wife not for the sake of the wife but for the sake of the self you know she is divine mother in one form and same applies to husband children everybody else they are respects of the one at another stage when the fire has grown like buddha put everything in the bonfire and more and frankly if you have gone through these stages then spontaneously the last stage will come because the whole creation is moving us towards it but if we try to skip stages we'll just keep on you know turning back returning back returning back returning back back and forth we will get frustrated because you know they have not negotiated through a certain stage of evolution so while ultimately i am speaking right now about one kind of goal which is moksha inner freedom but inner freedom cannot come if you have not gone through these successive stages you know there are people who have taken premature sanyasa but they fight the ambition is there you know that who is a greater swami why this swami was asked for inaugurating and why not me i have actually seen people fight swami ji is fight because they have you know they have not gone through the stages and steps yes somebody through previous lives may be ready that's like a shukdev there's one in a million but you know when you we talk about generally speaking it's not about one in a million but 99 lakhs that you speak about sab sab jagah ji hota hai because because you you have because you have not gone through this this is the way the evolutionary current carries us so principle those at each stage so that means nobody can tell you what is the goal of life it will evolve from inside but whatever be your stage of evolution do it faithfully do it in a true way you know imagine uh, somebody you go for a job and people will ask you okay i mean kya chahiye and you know he says i want to serve the country you may be wanting to earn money how much more honest if you say that look you know i need money and i want money and that's the beauty of you know one of these little dialogue between king janak and yagnavalk i mean there are many aspects of it one of them is something very interesting that he has gone into a sabha where there is a uh, sabha ke andar wo chal raha hai ek uh, debate chal raha hai whoever wins he gets 1000 cows each cow tipped with gold on the horns so debate shuru nahi ho raha hai who will ask the first question so after some time yagnavalk seeing everybody is hesitating he tells his disciples take the cows then everybody stands up do you think you are the greatest he says i don't know about it but i need the cows <laughs> <laughs> same thing you see in savitri in the boons that she has she has very pragmatic boons for earth first then she goes on to the ultimate boon same you see with nachiketa his first boon is about my father who is angry he should not be angry with me so always to take step by step and move otherwise one flounders so the goal as we grow only thing is at each stage we must do it you know fully we must do it this fullness of life meeting life and its challenges in in the right way with the right inner strength is what has been taught to us in in the indian culture they didn't mind taking time because you know we come again and again we are we are not like given one chance you know we have, yeah. uh, we have we are given many chances and you know each chance is to go one step further then uh, now beyond moksha just to sum it up or bring that new element now mother very interestingly gives a new dimension to it and that dimension is based on what shurbindo has brought out that it's not moksha moksha is a step 
सो वॉट रियली आर वी सीकिंग वी आर सीकिंग फुलफिलमेंट सो मोक्षा स्टिल यू नो इन फ्रीडम मीन्स ओके फाइन आई एम इनवर्डली फ्री सो इट्स ओके लाइफ हैज the problem with even the inner freedom about moksha is then life you may be in life you may withdraw from life it doesn't matter life has become meaningless at least you are not bound to you know deal with it but when you speak about fulfillment then you are not happy with a lonely freedom cannot satisfy because you know you have also become vaster you want fulfillment not just for this individual being but for the larger earth the planet where you have come so many times you can't just leave it and go away like that so the evolutionary fulfillment for which she sets four goals very interestingly and for each part of her being and of course the fifth one which we shall come at the end the four goals she brings very beautifully in detail in the means to arrive at it in her well known essay four austerities and the four liberation so there is not just one liberation but for for the body health beauty fitness suppleness if you look at it like it's a valid goal it's progress which means the gymnasts are also pursuing progressing for the body beauty primarily for every form beauty in, in includes all these things strength and fitness and capacity to endure and plasticity even in the evolutionary transformation these are the goals the body should be supple energetic etc etc for the power force of life power and joy very valid needs is not to be suppressed but we have to bring out a more luminous power unerring power a greater joy and for all these we have to sacrifice something for changing it into that so if you want a more luminous power you have to sacrifice the lust for lesser powers you can't have both so if you want a greater fulfillment you have this you know look at shurbindo gentlest of the gentle soft voiced perfect gentleman as mother would put it yes sitting in one room he could shake the world with his power which went into the second world war so there is a more luminous power which is not seen and the life force wants it joy delight she says if you want delight you have to sacrifice pleasure now each one has to decide it's not that you know you are indulging in pleasure it's a wrong thing there is nothing like wrong or right you want to go through pleasure you want to fall in the ditch uh, drunk it's okay that's a stage of evolution nobody is to tell anybody else but if i want delight if i have this as my goal if underline 10 times then i have to sacrifice pleasure i can't have both if not pleasure will teach me that you leave me <laughs> a day will come when pleasure will tell me look you know it you can't sustain this fuel the gaadi zyada chalegi nahi engine dhakka lagana padega agar aap is fuel se chaloge so from there comes these practices like brahmacharya and all this because if you want to upgrade your system then you have to cry halt to those forces which are till now working and then the third for the for the heart she says love it's a valid goal second is power power and i have added joy because shubhendu also speaks of joy and the third is love for the heart love but what kind of love we want this turbid human love all the time fighting kabhi khushi kabhi gham paas aaye to dur jane ka man kar raha hai dur gaye to yaad aa rahi hai ye koi love nahi hai ye to means <laughs> it's a, there is a difference between love and attachment there is a difference between love and attraction 
that love which can remain self-existent. And Shri Prabhupada gives beautiful examples. The story of Rama and Sita, Radha and Krishna. Radha and Krishna are never married. Rama and Sita, they are one single marriage, but never really enjoyed life together, if you want to put it in a conventional way. Or he gives the example of Ruru, who loved Ramadwara and gave his half-life. Or of Sabitri, that's love. Where you can, you know, even take the horns of death with the hands and say, stay because, you know, my beloved is sleeping. You can't touch him. Now, that power, that kind of love, which is unconditional, which rose from a great height onto something much below it. And then for the mind knowledge. But not this scholarly knowledge, you come cut paste. I use the word cut paste knowledge. You pick up from here, you pick up from there, you this book, that book, you have analyzed the word meaning scholarly. It's Pandit, it's not knowledge. But knowledge which comes because the mind is freed from all purvagra, opinions, ideas in which it is trapped. When you are liberated from that, then there is true knowledge which pours from above. As inspiration, revelation, intuition, and so on and so forth. And for the soul, a constant dwelling in the divine. These are the instruments through which the soul acts. Now, this is the broad outline. Now, it's for each one of us to see where we stand. Nobody else has to tell us what is the goal. The goal is like an angst. It's a cry within our being. We have to feel this cry. That is the sodharma, the turn unique to me. There are people who were in the ashram, Shobindo sent them to fight the Second World War. Two of them died in that. Can you imagine? He didn't say, no, 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 you are here now, you don't need to go. He sent them to fight the Second World War. If you have that in you, do it. And there is certain nobility in it. Because it's a preparation. You are actually taking a leap towards the future. It's not like, you know, now I'm in the ashram, I don't need to. Now, you may not be leaping into the future. You may take much long. You may become a laggard. So these are the broad outlines. And so feel the cry within our soul. If we don't know it, then here, there, one day the cry will come. When the cry comes, live by it. Pick up the idea which comes most natural to us. For somebody, it may be justice. Dwell upon it. Find out. What are the causes of injustice? Why the divine plays with us the way there must be a principle of justice operating in the creation? And you will discover the divine play. If the idea is wisdom, then take that path. Read everything but don't be tied to anything. Go beyond the scriptures if you want the wisdom. If the idea is love, then love the whole creation. Every particle of it starts seeing the divine will in it. If the idea is power, then all this power sitting on a chair and money power and this power, leave it aside and then you will discover the source of all power. So it depends on pick up one idea which is like a luminous little thread which leads us to its source. And that idea is within us. For each one it will be different. Then a time will come when we will enter that which is called as the super mind. Where all ideas rejoin reality. Then you discover justice and compassion are two sides of the one truth.
And then we discovered that the divine love with full compassion can slay and destroy creation. He slays without stint and is full of compassion. He wars for the world and its ultimate years. That is the supramental vision where you discover that all these different ideas are fusing into a single reality. But that comes much later. Till then be faithful to the idea that stirs us. That is the goal. Whatever job we do, it should be a reflection of that thing inside. If truth is our goal, then it may be maybe just a, you know, uh, not just, a, I mean, we may be just mending shoes. Do it truthfully and honestly. And I have seen this amazing, you know, I am always, it's an humbling experience. I don't know, uh, I'm sure everybody had it. I have my own share of this experience. If I go to the mall, Puthi, I can't bargain sabji leke, kar sakte. And if I go to the roadside seller and I ask for sabji, she will tell, let us say, alu is 30 rupiah kilo. I may be grossly mistaken in, you know, the figures. You pick up, then what she does, have you noticed? Sometimes she'll put an extra. And the digital machine will not do that. Thoda sa, thoda baut kar dete hain. Now what is that? There is a generosity of the heart. What we should do? When she has made that generous offer, give a little extra. Because we can give a little extra. That prepares us. But what do we do? Because she is open to haggling. 30 rupees ni, bhaiya 25 de dena. Waha to 22 ka mil raha hai. Lies. So then how do we expect to evolve? You know, it's a... To relate with her as part of your being. For a long time I had made this principle for myself that with a woman, with a old person and with a child, if I see them there, I will not bargain at all. Because as such I won't bargain, can't bargain with... But I'll never, you know, I'll like to give something extra because these are people who have, you know, imagine a woman is working, there must be some need, you know, ghar mein, kuchara, ghar bhi kaam karegi, bahar bhi. Then we are prepared and not by big lectures about women empowerment, child rights and child should not work. That is all political humbug. So, let's put it into practice. These are small little things which are steps in the journey. Energy. So, this is where I would like to pause. Let's have some questions. When you're speaking of mind knowledge, mind liberated from opinions and ideas, so how does one do this? Because we are in, in yeah. into a societal ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. norm, yeah, ki, okay, this has to be... <coughs> Have the fire which refuses to accept anything as final knowledge unless you have discovered the synthetic truth. The rounded hole. Raise questions. I have raised questions. I became an agnostic because when people said, Ji, purane karmo ka hai. Hamare scriptures mein likha hai. But I used to say, but what is this? This is absurd. Aapne kab kiya, aapko abhi punishment mil raha. Okay, fine. You should be told. Even a human judge tells us that look, it's, you know, there should be a bulb. Jesse, the moment you are suffering, there should be a light and you should see in front of you. Us janam mein ye kiya tha. You can't take these things for granted. Why should we take even the scriptures for granted? Shobindu says you have to follow the reverse process. You have to raise questions. Have original thinking. Get rid of all these trappings. Actually, that's not what they meant probably. But how will we go to the real meaning if we go by the meaning of the pundits? You know, that is how, how did they arrive at knowledge? Look, you know, you read a book of knowledge. How did they arrive at wisdom? 
let's follow that track rather than just be the student of a book because if i have to arrive at knowledge there must be some way how did they arrive at knowledge they didn't arrive at knowledge by reading the books exactly it's difficult yes so start with this but don't confine to this otherwise we'll be pundits i have read a book and i can talk about it wonderful but do i have the experience well sir experience is difficult well have it <laughs> that's why shobhinath in the synthesis says that an intellectual preparation can be helpful in a very beginning in a powerful yoga but that's not what is called knowledge from the yogic perspective the beauty is experience doesn't come by wanting an experience you have to seek that truth that seeking will take you through the experience to the identification because ultimately knowledge is not an experience but a state of identity with that which you are seeking in that identity you are so much one that you become one with it for somebody else it may be a the person has changed but for you it's one it's not an experience that i saw truth like this yes that may be a beginning it may show aspects and forms but ultimately you become one with that which you are seeking so by the process of concentration how to develop concentration whatever we are doing do it with concentration equip yourself with the tools so gradually even a work which you are doing do it with concentration so gradually one is prepared for that ultimate knowledge but if we get limited let us say in belief systems ji hamare religion mein aisa hai and you know anything that's one of the big challenges with shurbindo shurbindo bring something new now for me this was a beautiful thing because i had become an agnostic and i didn't find in uh, whether hindu thought or christian thought or jewish thought or any thought or even philosophical thought that that which was my query so when i found it in shobindo it was a natural fit ah this what i am seeking but the challenging phase you have to go through if you are satisfied with the small how can you have the vast if you are happy with ganga jal coming in a water bottle and drinking it and saying i am ganga jal तो आप नहाने का डूबने का मजा कैसे मिलेगा जी सेफ टू यू नो गो एंड ड्राउन इन टू द गैंजेस इफ यू वांट टू रियली गेट दैट नॉलेज इट शुड बी एंड इट्स द पैशन द द अर्ज द द एस्पिरेशन द सीकिंग नॉट टू स्टॉप विद एनीथिंग आई मीन इट्स नॉट टू डिसरिस्पेक्ट दे ईच हैव देयर प्लेस नो बट नो बडी कैन डिनाइड इन द इवोल्यूशन ऑफ मैनकाइंड एवरीथिंग हैज इट्स फेस बट नो मोर फॉर मी यू वांट टू गो पास्ट गो पास्ट that was the beauty of buddha people turned him also into a religion <laughs> or a vedanta for that matter but now vedanta is also a school of thought and that's why you see we are talking about graduality and even in desire why indian thought accepted even a charvak can you imagine in school of philosophy where he says that <laughs> well <laughs> it's put very crudely that look here gentlemen <laughs> beg a borrow but don't return the money because there is no rebirth and there is nobody to ask you <laughs> live enjoy life well basically enjoy life is the indian version of uh, you know not and it say there is those uh, machiavelli and all these people who dionysians dionysians were yogis but you know how they were understood so he is our indian uh, fellow not Dion- uh, that's because dionysians were tantrics who were seeking after delight anand margis but not the anand margis of you know west bengal <laughs> they were anand margis a kind of they pursued even a kind of probably i don't know left hand tantra or not but they were seekers after delight ananda ananda 
Ananda of being. So they were always as if you know drunk, intoxicated with the wine. And some actually thought that you know intoxication is the path like we foolishly think Somras is this wala Somras. But so they are also you know the same problem and whereas there were others, Apollonians who followed the path of uh, knowledge. So these were the two Dionysian cup of joy. <laughs> That's how. No, no, no. They were real tantric yogis. Subsequently, it degenerated into a system like any other system. Dionysians. Dionysus was their founder. Then later on, it was like if you have this scepter, you are a Dionysian. So they even had a mark, see, like a seal you carry. So that was much later. DIO. N Y uh, Greek double S I A N Dionysus and Dionysians. Anyways, uh, I think he was Greek, but uh, we can yeah find out. But. No, no, no. He was a human a yogi, a yogi or philosopher. You want to? Yeah. So, but it's true. Actually, if you go to the root of anything, you will end up with Ananda. That's true. I mean, Raso Vaisaha, the Upanishads speak about it. But it doesn't mean that you can, uh, you know, get caught up in this and arrive at that. But it's true that if you want to go to the go to the root of everything, including creation, you will enter into a state of Ananda. And that Ananda comes with oneness. And there is a very simple example of that. You know, in psychiatry, we call it Stockholm Syndrome. And uh, you see when uh, when mother describes it very beautifully that a python going near a rabbit. Now initially the rabbit is trying to escape but after a point it becomes still. As if you know when it devotes it there is a joy. You know why joy? Because before devouring there is an extension of consciousness in which the two become one. And incidentally that is also the principle behind people who begin to love message, have masochistic attitude and they, they start loving somebody who really is torturing them because you know they become one. They start even feeling sympathy. They start justifying. He beats me but he is basically a nice person. He is masochistic. What else it is? I mean <laughs> be a strong person. <laughs> Don't take nonsense. Don't be a doormat. I am just saying, unless you are practicing true love, that's a different story altogether. Then you are a sati. Then you are a different person. But you know, somebody is abusing you, hurting you, hitting you and you are saying you are a very nice person. It's a, not a healthy attitude in life. No. So, again, as I said, depending on the attitude, if you are seeing God, then by all means, <laughs> love everybody. So, it will depend upon the state. But if you are going through the process of being a kshatriya, then you should fight. Most of us are, you know. So it will all depend upon where we stand and what is the stage of our evolution. See, one is a Kshatriya, one is fighting. Yeah. Injustice. But if one is in a state of love, then one is... That's what I am saying. This love should not be a Stockholm Syndrome. See, there are many things we call love. Dependency is not love. No, compassion is different. This is usually justification. Compassion is a very high thing. You see that the person is struggling with ignorance. Compassion is something very high. It's a beautiful feeling. But you don't have to live with a person to be compassionate and accept nonsense. You can be far away and yet be compassionate. That here is somebody who is struggling and oh Lord, lift him out. You can offer a prayer every day, sincerely. Compassion doesn't mean that you have to be bound 
you can be inwardly free and yet be compassionate but most of the time it's more than compassion because we have read philosophies so we justify sab ke andar bhagwan hai mother gave a new rule that's why she gave a new dharma for the age people should live together if they love each other she gave this rule and if the love is not there they can separate this is the new dharma of the age so that's why we see today the whole thing is changing because it's a yug dharma that's the current of life we may like it or not like it our likes and dislikes are not consulted when the divine <laughs> starts the new mahabharata ho gaya gandhari said i didn't like it okay you didn't like it so be it <laughs> so you see divine doesn't consult our outer nature and our ego self but the soul knows and rejoices that's what sanjay says what a wonderful thing lord hari 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 that's because sanjay is able to see the divine will behind it but dhritarashtra to andha hai waisi andha hai double andha ki kya kar rahe hain krishna is god he is doing all this nonsense because he is blind so that's how it is that one has to that's why truth is infinitely plastic you can't turn it into a rigid dogma this is the goal of life the moment you say it in terms of fixed words you have finished it truth is infinite plastic it's one and yet you know it takes many forms so when we fix something what is the goal of life it's to realize the divine now what we have done we have created confusion in the mind it's not a dogma the kshatriya who is dying on the battlefield for the sake of love is also moved by love his love is of a very wide kind you know he is fighting a battle where he is not bothered about his family you think he doesn't love he's in love so truth can be what a person understands it starts like that you can't define it first thing is you can't define it then it is unfolding itself and to each one it will unfold differently this unfolding may be in terms of your understanding but more importantly it unfolds what shri krishna speaks of as sudharma as an angst inside your being for for that stage of one person's evolution that is true and you must live by that truth then you go on to the next stage when it unfolds in a new way so when you have lived life of a true kshatriya you are upgraded to a brahman bhav or a seeker of knowledge and there also you are battling but because you have gone through the outer battle you are ready for the inner battle then when you have gone beyond that then you are in that stage where you can say sarva dharman parityajya mam ekam sharanam braj i am no more moved by sudharma but by your will i am your monkey nachao me as you nachao me so it's an unfolding which at one stage for each one it will be different what i mean is don't turn it into a dogma by saying everybody must do it everybody must follow it then it's a religion or a dogma or a sect or a cult and truth cares little for that so we must be faithful to the truth seen within us but we should not try to impose it on others its practical consequence is this the same for everybody and a rigid fixed notion about you know it's like a belief system like a law law that to is hard human law ha ji kya keh rahe
No, no, this good and bad, they are all our human ideas of karma. For, you know what, at one level you realize that there is only one who is doing karma, tomar karma, tumi karma, loke boli kori ami. If you ask me at this point, so I would say ki this idea, somebody is doing karma, good karma, bad karma, it's okay at for understanding at a given point, it's, man can, uh, you know, he needs to go through this phase. That well, I am doing a karma, I must do good karma and those so and so is doing bad karma. At a stage of evolution, you realize that there is none else but the divine who is doing. Even Diti and Aditi are wives of the same one. So, you know, that is the ultimate truth. Which karma is? Ocean is carrying everything on its mighty giant wave. And two little tinkas are saying, you know, you are aligned with the wave, you are not aligned and they are fighting with each other. Giant wave comes, they are separated, sink into the ocean, another lifts them and carries. That is the consciousness in which, you know, one begins to awaken. Then you see that behind all this karma, now one may say, do we have a uh, responsibility? Well, the soul's consent is the only responsibility. So even good and bad are very relative. At a given stage for somebody, it's good karma. For another person, when let's say Buddha has the urge, let's take this dilemma. Buddha has the urge to find the cure for ultimate cure for suffering. Should he leave his wife? Should he leave his wife or not? Leaving his responsibility is bad karma. Following his angst? Yes, but it's a good karma. Should Rama do that what he did to Sita? Bad karma by our present standard. For Rama who had come to establish the highest standard for a king, that what applies to the dhobi applies also to the king. He had to set that standard. He was bleeding inside, crying. He had to do it because that is his stage of evolution. So it depends on where we stand. So this good and bad also cannot be objectively... There is no punishment. Ah. That is, we as human beings want punishment. <laughs> <laughs> Reward me. <laughs> if God were to punish, no, so creation would not be. <laughs> no, be there is only one punishment if you like. <laughs> to cut off from the truth of your being, to cut off from delight, the more narrow we become, the less joy we feel. So if you see somebody who is lacking in joy, lacking in love, what greater punishment can there be? You can only sympathize and feel that, look, you know, poor fellow, he doesn't know the delight of existence. That's all you can feel. That's compassion. Because that is a punishment. God's punishments are not next life. It's instantaneous. You do a selfish act and there is a shrinking. You do a generous act and you see a wideness. You know, when Mother's symbol, she gave 12 powers, aspects, and four of them towards human beings. One of them is generosity. When you are generous towards someone, generous in thought, understanding, feelings, and of course money or whatever way, you enlarge, you experience a joy, isn't it? At whatever level, that is the path. And if you don't, if you are selfish, you think I am having a lot of you know things in my life, but you are very unhappy, you are always scared, you are suspicious. So what more punishment should... <laughs> if you are in heaven... And you are tortured like hell in your thoughts. Then what is that heaven? Whereas if you are in hell and you are udar like Yudhishthir and you feel that these fumes cannot hurt you because your presence is helping them, then it is heaven. So it's, it's a state of consciousness.
okay so i think we can stop here now